Welcome everyone to the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you for coming back to the mountain. Week 9 taught us a whole lot with Fresno State outlasting UNLV in an instant classic. Air Force, Boise State, and San Jose State taking care of business and little old Nevada winning their second straight game. We'll then talk about what's to come in week 10. As always, we'll finish the show by handing out this week's Hikes Peak Weekly MVP. Let's get right into it. We'll start with that showdown between UNLV and Fresno State. Both teams coming into this game at 6-1. and one, one of the biggest games of the year so far. Both teams came into this one undefeated in Mountain West play, meaning the victor would be the only team still tied with undefeated Air Force in conference. Fresno State would strike first, nickel and diming their way down the field before Mikey Keene hit Tim Greer Jr. for the 31-yard score. Call it an and one because there was a roughing the passer call as well. The Rebels fired back immediately with Ricky White catching a slant and turning on the Jets, going all the way for the 41-yard touchdown, tying the game at 7. The momentum continued to tilt in UNLV's favor as Jackson Turner made an incredible one-handed interception grab, leading to an easy field goal from Jose Pizano. Before halftime, Jaden Maiava ran the two-minute drill to perfection, driving down the field in 90 seconds to put UNLV up by 10, courtesy of Jet Thomas punching it in from four yards out. The third quarter was as lopsided as humanly possible, starting with a Fresno State touchdown that was gifted to them after a bizarre muffed punt from Jacob DeJesus. The Bulldogs would find the end zone again, this time with Eric Brooks catching a touchdown pass on third and goal to go up by four. The bad times kept coming for UNLV with Dean Clark picking off Jaden Maiava, leading to another easy field goal. On the very next play for the Rebels, Jet Thomas coughed up the football, making it two turnovers in two plays. The Bulldogs Dogs scratched and clawed their way back into the end zone with a third and fourth down conversion, the latter being a catch from Malik Sherrod. Down 14 at the start of the fourth quarter, UNLV got off the mat with Ricky White's second touchdown of the day, and after Mikey Keene threw his second interception of the game to Cam Oliver with 10 minutes left, UNLV was right back in it. They marched all the way to the two-yard line but couldn't punch it in, turning the ball over with four minutes remaining. The defense forced a three and out, giving the Rebels one more chance. Again, Maiava got them inside the Bulldogs' 10-yard line with under 10 seconds remaining, but Mr. Clutch Lavelle Bailey would yoink the third and goal pass out of the air for his second walk-off interception of the year. If you remember, he did the same thing in overtime against Eastern Washington. Fresno State survives a thriller to keep their chances of repeating alive, while the comeback kids finally came up short, but once again made it very apparent that this isn't the same old Rebels. Mikey Keene led the way for the Bulldogs with 27 of 41, 256 passing yards and four touchdowns. Also had those two interceptions. Malik Sherrod was all over the field, 17 carries, 56 rushing yards and he also had eight catches for 28 receiving yards and a touchdown. Jalen Moss, the freshman, continues to impress five catches and 99 receiving yards. Both Dean Clark and Lavelle Bailey had eight tackles and an interception. To a C Nomura had four tackles and a sack. For the Rebels, Jaden Maiava played okay. He had 21 of 35, 268 passing yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Vincent Davis led the way for them on the ground with 68 rushing yards. Donovan Lester also had 52 rushing yards. Ricky White was just incredible. He is absolutely an NFL caliber receiver. Seven catches, 152 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. Cameron Oliver had just an insane game with 12 
tackles, leading the team two tackles for loss, a sack, and an interception. Jackson Woodard had 10 tackles, and Jackson Turner had six tackles and that one-handed interception. Next, let's go over Wyoming traveling to the Blue Turf to take on Boise State, a monumental game for both teams involved. The scoring opened with a 49-yard deep bomb from Taylor Green to Eric McAllister for a touchdown, followed by the two-point conversion on a fake. The 6'4 sophomore has burst onto the scene this year, and he's currently just two yards behind Torrey Horton for the Mountain West lead in receiving yards. The rest of the first quarter was sloppy, with both teams exchanging punts and then turnovers, before Wyoming would get on track with a 19-yard touchdown pass to John Michael Gillenborg, set up by a muff punt. More punt trading would ensue before the Broncos would pad their lead to 15-7, with a 7-minute touchdown drive capped off by Breezy Dubar's first career touchdown score. Boise State opened the second half with an impressive scoring drive, stretching their lead to 15. With the Cowboys offense still stuck in the mud, the Broncos again drove down the field and scored a touchdown, finding freshman Prince Strawn to make the game all but over, with the score being 29-7 with 17 minutes to go. They would hit one more field goal before the end of the game, giving Boise State a pivotal blowout victory as they improved to 3-1 in conference play, while Wyoming's Cinderella run seems to have ended with back-to-back losses, dropping them to 5-3. The two, this was one of the best displays from the two-quarterback system. Maddox Madsen was the Mountain West freshman player of the week after it going 12-15, of 147 passing yards, and a touchdown. Taylor Green went 3-for-6, 6, 69 passing yards, and a touchdown. Of course, that throw to Eric McAllister in the first quarter. He also ran for a touchdown on the ground, but did also have a fumble. George Holani had 20 carries and 75 rushing yards. That's a name we've been waiting to hear all year. Finally seems like he's healthy, which is going to be a big weapon for the Broncos going forward. Ashton GT only had six carries for 53 rushing yards. He did get hurt. From everything I've seen, it does sound like he's going to be playing next week, but is he going to be 100%? That's the question. Eric McAllister continues to dominate and make a name for himself. Seven catches, 160 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Andrew Simpson was filling up the stat sheet. Six tackles, three tackles for loss, and a sack. And Ty Benefield had a tackle and an interception. Andrew Peasley did okay, but the offense overall really struggled. 10 of 20 for Peasley, 85 passing yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Harrison Whaley was limited to just 18 rushing yards on 10 carries, which is obviously not going to be enough if they were going to win this ball game. John Michael Gillenborg had three catches, 24 receiving yards, and a touchdown. On the defensive side, both Easton Gibbs and Shea Suvianoa had 11 tackles and one and a half tackles for loss. Wyatt Eckler had eight tackles and a forced fumble. Next, we have number 19 Air Force traveling to Fort Collins to take on Colorado State in the battle for the Ram Falcon Trophy, which also doubled as a snow game. It began with Colorado State coming up short on a QB sneak near midfield. The Air Force immediately got to work with a 12-play drive ending in a touchdown catch for Dane Kinnamon. Two punts later, Braden Fowler and Nicolosi found Justice Ross Simmons deep for a 61-yard score, tying the game at seven early in the second quarter. Jordan Noyes would knock a field goal through to take a 10-7 lead, but the Falcons would take back momentum with a huge strip sack from Bo Richter, leading to a John Lee Eldridge, the third touchdown, three plays later. The point-after attempt slipped away in the snow, allowing the Rams to tie the game before halftime with a 49-yard bomb from Jordan Noyes. With all the inclement weather, enough cannot be said about how good Noyes was this game. He's a beast, man. Tied at 
at 13. Air Force opened the second half with a textbook drive, which was aided by a 15-yard penalty from the fans after they kept throwing snowballs at the Air Force bench. This is a real thing. Eating six minutes of clock on their way to Zach Larrier, breaking the plane on the tush push to put the Falcons up by seven. Colorado State struggled to move the ball in the second half after giving up a field goal and punting twice. The Rams went for it on their own 36 with 11 minutes left and did not pick it up. Air Force promptly found the end zone with Emmanuel Michelle barreling in from five yards out. Down 32-13, Braden Fowler, Nicolosi, and co. had their best drive of the half, getting all the way to the Falcons' 15-yard line, but ultimately turned the ball over again with five minutes left. Air Force picked up two first downs, and that was that. The Falcons hang on to the Ram Falcon Trophy for the seventh straight game and improved to 8-0 and number 17 in the country, while Colorado State drops to 3-5 and and continues their gauntlet of a schedule with Wyoming on Friday. Zach Lerier finished 4-7 of with 32 passing yards and a touchdown, 36 rushing yards and a touchdown on the ground, so not too many yards, but still really effective controlling the game, not making any mistakes. Still the only starting quarterback in the country without an interception. Emmanuel Michelle continues to produce 20 carries, 130 rushing yards, and a touchdown. John Lee Eldridge III had 57 rushing yards and a touchdown. Jalen Mergerson, the senior, had 13 tackles and two deflections filling in at that spur role. Trey Taylor had 10 tackles and a deflection. P.J. Ramsey had five tackles and a sack. And of course, Bo Richter did have that huge strip sack. Brandon Fowler Nicolosi played fine considering the weather and how good Air Force's defense is. 28 of 45, 297 passing yards, a touchdown, and that fumble, but not throwing an interception against one of the best defenses in the country is definitely a win. Van Shield continues to be a very solid running back for the Rams. 53 rushing yards and 18 receiving yards. Justice Ross Simmons had eight catches, 128 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Credit to Air Force for slowing down Torrey Horton and Dolan Holker. Horton finished with five catches for 52 receiving yards, and Holker only had five catches for 43 receiving yards. Noor Gatkoth, who ended up moving from edge to linebacker, continues to be such an incredible find for this defense. 15 tackles and one and a half tackles for loss. Chase Wilson had 12 tackles and Henry Blackburn had nine tackles. Next, we had New Mexico traveling to Reno to take on Nevada after they picked up their first win. Both teams are coming off wins that could serve as a turning point for their season. The first four drives of the game ended in punts before the Wolfpack got on the board first with a Brandon Talton chip shot field goal. New Mexico would respond with a drive into Nevada territory, but Dylan Hopkins threw an interception to Michael Coates Jr. on fourth down, who returned it to the Lobo 34-yard line. Brandon Talton hit a 47-yarder to get something out of the turnover, but the worst was still to come for the Lobos. On the second play of the ensuing drive, Hopkins threw another interception, this time to Richard Tony Jr., who raced all the way to the end zone to put the Wolfpack up 13-0 early in the second. Brandon Talton again came to the rescue, hitting a 52-yarder this time to make it 16 to nothing, make it a hat trick of interceptions for Dylan Hopkins as Jonathan Maldonado made the play. Jamal Bell would plow into the end zone with four minutes left in the half to make it a stunning 23-0, scratch that 24-0 lead after the two-point conversion. The score would hold until halftime and the Lobos offense finally got something going, scoring a field goal on their opening drive, followed by a 59-yard big play touchdown to Jeremiah Hickson. 
Wisconsin to make it 24-10. Nevada went on a seven-minute drive that was capped off by Brandon Talton's fourth field goal of the day, making it a three-possession game with 16 minutes left. The Lobos couldn't respond, and the game was out of reach after Jacques Badalato Birdsell punched it in from two yards out, making it 34-10 with 12 minutes to go. Freshman Devin Dampierre would cross the goal line along with the two-point conversion to make the game 34-18. The Lobos got the ball back again with five minutes to go, but wouldn't score until the 58-second mark, and after failing the two-point conversion, New Mexico's fate was sealed with a final score of 34-24. Nevada has turned it around, going from a 16-game losing streak to a two-game winning streak just like that. The Lobos, however, lose a game that was essential for them as they try to make their first bowl game since 2016. Brendan Lewis had a solid outing, 8 of 16, 92 passing yards. He had 64 rushing yards and a fumble on the ground. Jamal Bell has really excelled in his move from wide receiver to running back. He had 11 carries for 76 rushing yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Jacquez Badalato Birdsell, who is probably my favorite name in the entire Mountain West, 15 carries, 36 rushing yards, and a touchdown. DeLavon Campbell had 79 receiving yards on just two catches. Imani Johnson had 10 tackles. Richard Tony Jr. finished with six tackles, half of a tackle for loss, and of course the pick six. And Michael Coates Jr. had two tackles, two deflections, and an interception. Dylan Hopkins played okay if you take out the three interceptions, but with them it wasn't too good of an outing. 18 of 34, 271 passing yards, a touchdown, and those three picks. Ja'Cory Krosky Merritt did have a touchdown, but only had 44 rushing yards. Jeremiah Hickson had one of his best outings of the year. Four catches, 116 receiving yards, and a touchdown. Derek Moore had 10 tackles, and Jermarius Lewis had nine tackles and one and a half tackles for loss. Our final game to go over, San Jose State coming to the mountains to take on Hawaii in the Dick Tomey legacy game, which began with a missed field goal and punt before Quali Conley opened the scoring with a run from five yards out. The Spartans would find the end zone again halfway through the second quarter with a quick connection from Chevin Cordiero to Nick Nash. After a fourth straight punt from the Rainbow Warriors, Cordiero drove down the field once again to make it a 21-0 lead for San Jose State, with Kyrie Robinson doing the honors this time. Kyrie put a nice bow on the game with a 52-yard house call early in the second half, and San Jose State put up one more score before the final buzzer with Nick Nash's second touchdown grab. How bad was the Rainbow Warriors offense this game? Well, they ended up finishing with seven punts, two interceptions, and zero points. The Spartans are playing their best football yet. They're now on a three-game win streak with an average margin of victory of 28 points while Hawaii drops their fourth straight game and enters a must-win game against Nevada next week. Chevin Cordiero finished 16 of 26, 251 passing yards and two touchdowns and a fumble. Of course, his return to Hawaii where he originally transferred from. Kyrie Robinson had another incredible game. He's one of the most dynamic backs in the country at this point. 17 carries, 146 rushing yards, and two touchdowns. Wally Conley had 19 carries, 73 rushing yards, a touchdown, and a fumble. Also had four catches and 48 receiving yards. Nick Nash finished with six catches, 86 receiving yards, and two touchdowns. He has really emerged as that wide receiver one that it wasn't clear who was going to be that on this Spartans team, but Nash has absolutely seized that role. Kenyon Reed finished with six tackles, two tackles for loss, and a sack. And Javion Cole, as well as Andrew Jenkins had 
had an interception. Braden Shager really struggled. Finished 17 of 29, 132 passing yards and a pick. Peter Manuma had seven tackles, which led the team. And Jalen Smith had five tackles and three tackles for loss, man. With week nine out of the way, let's get you prepared for what's ahead in week 10. Starting with on Friday night, Colorado State taking on Wyoming. The first game of the week is the famous Border War. It features two teams on two game losing streaks that are desperate to right the ship. After becoming one of the darlings of the college football world, thanks to their field rushes following the Texas Tech and Fresno State wins, Wyoming has hit a brick wall. They fell just short against Air Force and then laid an egg on the blue turf in Boise. They'll have to revitalize their run game, which only had 27 yards against the Broncos, along with forcing turnovers to slow down what can be a potent Rams offense. Colorado State hung around against unbeaten Air Force for a half before being crushed in the second half. They'll have to score on some big pass plays, avoid giving the ball away, and most importantly, they have to force the Cowboys to beat them through the air, not on the ground. My prediction, I have a lot of concerns about Wyoming's offense at this point. Boise State's defense isn't anything incredible, but the Cowboys made them look like the 85 Bears out there. While the Rams have some issues defensively, they have a lot of playmakers and pass rushers who can wreak havoc. Colorado State finds their groove on offense again with Torrey Horton and Dolan Holker both getting over 100 yards as the Rams take a big step by bringing the bronze boot back to Fort Collins. My predicted final, Colorado State 28, Wyoming 17. Next, we have a massive contest here with Boise State traveling to Fresno State. The battle for the milk can will determine who will sit in second in the conference standings behind Air Force. The Broncos are coming off their best game of the year where they dismantled Wyoming. Fresno State survived against a pesky UNLV team, their most impressive win of the year. For Boise State to make it two in a row, they'll need the defense to be just as locked in as last week. They'll need to get Holani or Ashton Genty, whoever the lead back may be, into a rhythm so they don't have to rely on the freshman QB Maddox Madsen too much. For the Bulldogs, they'll need to get pressure on the Broncos QB, force some turnovers, and offensively, they have to get Malik Sherrod in the run game going in order to set up the play action. My prediction, have the Broncos really turned the corner? The defense looks better than ever, and the offense is starting to figure it out as well. The only problem was Ashton Genty getting banged up. He's the lifeblood of their offense, and without him 100% healthy, I just don't see how the Broncos score enough points to keep up. Mikey Keene puts together an efficient stat line as he leads Fresno State to another huge win on their quest to repeat as conference champions. My final Fresno State 35, Boise State 20. Next, we have two 3-5 and five teams in Utah State traveling to Snapdragon Stadium to play San Diego State. Both teams got the week off after losses. The Aggies were doubled up by San Jose State in Mikhail Hillstead's first game back, while the Aztecs were shut out by Nevada 6 to nothing in one of the most surprising results in recent memory. Whoever wins this game will be much closer to making a bowl game that could determine if they keep their job or not. Utah State will have to force Jalen Maiden to throw whenever possible, as well as not turning the ball over. San Diego State will need to limit the damage caused by super receivers Jalen Royals and Terrell Vaughn, and offensively, they need to get the run game going again. My prediction, only one of these teams got shut out by a winless team. The Aztecs have struggled to find an identity on the offensive side of the ball, and the defense hasn't been elite enough to pick up the slack. I think McKay Hillstead gets back into a groove and leads his team to a comfortable win that propels them closer to 
a bowl game. My final, Utah State 27, San Diego State 13. Next, we have the huge rivalry game with Army traveling to Colorado Springs to take on number 17, Air Force. The Falcons can wrap up the Commander-in-Chief trophy with a win here, while Army tries to give themselves a share of it. The Black Knights got off to a solid 2-1-1 start, including a road win over UTSA, but have since lost their edge, losing five straight games. They had a great chance to get back on the right track against UMass, who had lost seven straight games, but ended up losing after letting Karon Lynch-Adams run for over 200 yards and three touchdowns, as well as only scoring two touchdowns against the second-worst defense in the nation. Air Force is likely salivating at Army's lack of run defense and will look to dominate defensively as well. My prediction, there's a decent argument to be made that this is Troy Calhoun's most complete team ever from the variety of ground weapons that are thriving behind the Falcons' offensive line to the several defensive players that are putting together an all-Mountain West caliber season. They are a puzzle that no one has solved yet. Army will do their best to keep it close, but everything that they can do, Air Force can simply do better. The Falcons roll to 9-0, and the Commander-in-Chief trophy remains in Colorado Springs for another year. My final, Air Force 34, Army 3. Next, we have Hawaii traveling to Reno to take on Nevada, who is quite hot right now. Great game here. The two worst records in the conference battling it out to keep their bowl hopes alive. The Wolfpack, after starting 0-6, have won their last two games and look like a real football team. Hawaii lost their fourth straight game, this time a 35-0 smacking from San Jose State. But even at 2-7, they can still make a bowl game technically if they win out. Nevada will need their defense to keep forcing turnovers and the run game needs to be the driving force behind their offense. The Rainbow Warriors will need to reawaken their passing game, hold on to the football, and pressure Brendan Lewis into some mistakes. My prediction, I picked against Nevada the last two weeks only to fall flat on my face. I admit it, I trust this Wolfpack team now. The defense is feisty and creates takeaways. The offense isn't pretty, but it gets the job done. And overall, Nevada's luck just seems to have flipped. While Hawaii continues to flounder, Jamal Bell leads his team to victory with a touchdown run and a touchdown catch. My predicted final, Nevada 24, Hawaii 14. The final game to go over is UNLV traveling to Albuquerque to take on New Mexico. Last but not least, this matchup has two teams coming off of tough losses. The Lobos trying to get back to a bowl game were handled by lowly Nevada. UNLV came up just short against Fresno State and now need a win to keep pace in the race for the top two spots in the conference. The Lobos have to stop turning the ball over as much as they have as well as not allowing any home runs to the go-go offense's run game. The Rebels will need to move the ball on the ground consistently to set up their deep shots to Ricky White. And defensively, they have to make Dylan Hopkins uncomfortable. If they can do that, turnovers will eventually happen. My prediction, even if UNLV didn't win last week, they showed that they are no fluke. They have talent, depth, and heart, and I think they'll take care of business in Albuquerque. Jet Thomas has a huge day as the Rebels get to seven wins for the first time in a decade. My final, UNLV 38, New Mexico 17. Last thing to take care of, of course, the high Peak Weekly MVP. We are going to go with Lavelle B. 
Bailey from Fresno State. Come on down. Welcome back, man. Good to see you. He racked up eight tackles and leapt into the air to snag the game-winning interception with three seconds left to secure the win against UNLV, making it two game-winning interceptions. I'm pretty sure he's the only person in the country with that. Congrats to Mr. Clutch himself. That's it for this episode of the Hikes Peak Podcast. Thank you so much for coming back to the mountain. Make sure to make the trek back here next Tuesday for another brand new episode where we'll talk about what went down in week 10 and get you ready for week 11. If you enjoyed the episode, rate the show five stars on whatever platform you're listening on or leave us a review on iTunes. Nothing helps the show out more than that, so any ratings would be greatly appreciated. Follow us on Twitter at MWC Connection and find all of your Mountain West news at MWCConnection.com. Thank you again for listening. We're getting pretty close to the end of the season. What team is going to prevail? Until next time, I'm Jack Thompson. Enjoy your life.